Jesus begins to preach. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zublin and Nephali, to fulfil what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Nephilim and Nephali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net in the la- into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I, will se- and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing nets following their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Clopidus, Jerusalem, Judea, and all the rain, the region across the Jordan, followed him. Thank you, Amy. And now Ben's going to come and preach God's word to us. Thank you very much. Thank you for reading that for us. Um, can I also say thank you so much for um, having me back. It's lovely to be back with you again. Um, uh, I'm from down the road, down at, at Christchurch Aincliffe, and I bring greetings from uh, our friends and family down there as well. Let me pray for us as we dive into this passage. Father God, when we open your word, you speak. And so, Father, I pray that now, as we spend time in this passage, uh, we dare to ask that the very words that created the cosmos, the very words that breathe life into this world, would speak to us, would stir us right down to our very souls uh, this morning, that we would leave here as those who have met with you. Amen. Well, I'd love it if you would um, imagine with me. Uh, just imagine, it, it's five years' time, and, uh, and we go out from uh, Sunday uh, morning, and let's say we just nip into the pub opposite. It's a Sunday afternoon, uh, and as we walk in, you see there a couple, uh, and they're talking, but they're not talking to each other. They're kind of facing the table as they're talking. Sooner or later, you realise, actually, they're praying. They're not talking to each other at all. They're talking uh, to God. Uh, And as you look around the pub, uh, you see there's a lady over there who's doing her quiet time, spending time in the scriptures. Uh, There are a couple of people over there who are talking about what God is doing in their life. 
You wander down to the shops, uh, and down in the shops uh, there are people who are talking uh, about what God has been up to in the last few weeks. Uh, the shop, uh, the shop uh, keeper, uh, is, uh, as she serves people, says, uh, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, it's not unusual, in fact, even to hear the shopkeeper say, why don't I pray for you with that? Throughout the evening as you walk up, let's say you're walking through Totley Rise, uh, you occasionally hear songs coming from some of the houses. Uh, but they're songs of praise to God. They're some of the things that we were singing perhaps even this morning. In other houses, groups of people meet. And then you wander up to this building, uh, only this building looks different. Not because it's closed, but because it's too small. Uh, we've, we've had to extend out uh, around the place. Now, I don't know, as I ask you to imagine that, uh, whether a part of you is thinking, yeah, that's great, but it's never going to happen. Uh, or, 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 frankly, uh, Ben, you're in cloud cuckoo land thinking like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that is definitely going to happen. This isn't a kind of a word from the Lord in, in, in that way. But I do think the way in which that could happen is right here in this passage. Uh, I wonder if you saw it there in, in verse 17. Uh, it says this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, it might be as I go to that verse, part of you is thinking, Ben, if that kind of amazing transformation of Totley were to happen, it's not going to be through preaching, and it's certainly not going to be through repenting. That word has a kind of negative connotation sometimes, doesn't it? But what I've found this week is I've spent time looking at what Jesus is preaching, at what repentance looks like, is this is a beautiful, life-changing, community-changing message uh, that's going on in these verses. Uh, so first off, we see uh, the universal message of a king. Uh, this is the start of Jesus's public ministry. Uh, up to this point in Matthew, everything's kind of gone on behind, well, not quite behind closed doors, but it's been uh, the personal family life of Jesus, uh, people coming to visit him. Uh, this here is the first time he steps out and publicly starts preaching. And we know that the start of a campaign is a big thing, don't we? Uh, Politicians spend ages thinking about where they're going to launch their campaigns uh, because it says a lot. Uh, And so here's Jesus, and he's going to launch uh, his preaching ministry. Uh, Jesus, uh, the religious man. Jesus, the kingly man. Uh, Where's he going to go? Well, Jerusalem would be the obvious place, wouldn't it? That's the place where the temple is. That's where people go to worship God. That's the place, the historic kind of seat of power in Israel. But no, Jesus goes to to Galilee of the Gentiles. To places with funny names like Zebulun and Naphtali. What's he doing? Uh, those, those places are nice places, don't get me wrong. If you go to Galilee or if you look around Galilee, you have a lovely kind of rolling hills. You've got a big lake there. Uh, and there's a, uh, there was great kind of fishing that happened in the lake. It brought a lot of commerce to the area. It was a lovely area, but it was right on the outskirts, right on the outskirts of Israel. It was, it was, a, kind of, it was a bit of a, a nowhere to Israel because uh, although it was part of, part of the land, it was right far out. And because of the kind of 
because of the commerce and the, uh, and the affluence, it was a place that didn't really feel ethnically Jewish in quite the same way. It's called uh, Galilee of the Gentiles. So what's Jesus doing starting out there? It's as if, it's as if his message is for, is for the outsider. It's as if his message is for everyone. And alongside that, Matthew, Matthew he gives us a strong hint. Uh, he goes back to Isaiah 9, doesn't he? He says this uh, in, in verse 14 of Matthew 4. Um, this is to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zebulun, the land of Nathai, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And he continues. Now, I don't know about you, but um, when we read the New Testament and, and it quotes the Old Testament, uh, the writers of the New Testament, they know what they're doing. Uh, they're, they're not just going, oh yeah, there was that place that was talked about once in Isaiah, wasn't there? Let's, let me kind of throw in a quote. Uh, what they want us to do is that, as we're reading this uh, is they want us to kind of load that file from the Old Testament into our mind uh, to kind of get the picture of what was going on there because Matthew is saying, look, something was going on there that's about to happen here. Uh, and so back in Isaiah 9, as we read it, you, you, you might have picked up, uh, what you've got is you've got God's people, uh, and they are under threat. Uh, they're under threat by uh, invading armies. Uh, and, and God is, is comforting them. He's saying, uh, I, will bring about, I will bring about somebody who's going to come and who's going to do away with all of the problems that are in Israel. Now, as you go through Isaiah, you see uh, the reason they're under threat from uh, other nations is because, well, because in Isaiah you've got God's people, and yet at the heart of God's people you've got injustice, uh, and you've got them preferring themselves to others. You've got people who are poor being, uh, being abused by the powerful. And you've got a people who, although they're God's people, are saying, actually, we don't really want to worship you, God. We want to go our own way. Uh, and as a result, you've got this kind of tension in the heart of God throughout Isaiah of him kind of uh, loving his people and at the same time bringing punishment on his people. And into that punishment, there's this promised king, one who would come, one who would free his people uh, from all that's oppressing them. And here, Matthew says, it's coming. Uh, right in the north, uh, where the invasion started, uh, right there, uh, Jesus is coming. This promised king is here. Uh, we're supposed to be excited about the fact that this king is here. Uh, and yet, it might well be that if you were to speak to the Galileans, they would say, yes, but I don't really like that description. Did you see it? Uh, he's gone to Galilee of the Gentiles. Verse 16, uh, the people living in darkness have seen a great light to those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Uh, they may well say, it's great that there's a guy come to see us, that's nice, but, but darkness, shadow of death, that, that, that's not us. Uh, life in Galilee is quite nice. Love, lovely area, uh, we're good and affluent, that's, that's fine. Uh, there's, yeah, there are problems, but not like there are down the road. Uh, things, things are okay for us. Darkness, shadow of death, that's not us. That's what they'd say in first century Galilee. I wonder, might it be what we'd say in 21st century Totley as well? And yet this picture, darkness, shadow of death, is, is a picture that the Bible uses continually for those who are living in this world uh, but apart from God. 
who are living in this world are living my way rather than God's way. Just picture it for a second, darkness. Uh, imagine this morning if you got up uh, and the sun didn't. Uh, the, the sun didn't rise. Maybe you were up before the sun rose this morning. Uh, I don't know, I've got small children. I was up before the sun rose this morning. Um, but imagine the sun never rose. Uh, and then imagine that actually the electricity wasn't working either. Uh, all of a sudden you would be in darkness. Just think how practically that would have made getting here really difficult, wouldn't it? Just getting here would be difficult. Uh, getting around, you'd be stumbling around in the dark. But it would be more than that, wouldn't it? Life in continual darkness. I don't know if you know anybody who suffers from seasonal affected disorder. It, it means that often during the, during the winter, during those, uh, those months, uh, life is more difficult. And it's more difficult for all sorts of reasons, but one of them is that it's just dark. Darkness, it, it, it kind of closes in around us, doesn't it? Or think of that picture, the valley of the shadow of death. The, uh, those living in the shadow of death, uh, living with death on the horizon. It's, it's shocking, isn't it? It, it? it drains life of its joy. I'm sorry to hear of the, the loss that you've had as a church family recently. I, I too this week have... Um, heard of a friend of mine who very sadly on, on Monday uh, committed suicide. I've lived in this shadow this week and it's not a nice place to be. It's really not a nice place to be. And, and, and so uh, what, what does this, this look like spiritually? Well, this looks like being cut off from the one who is light and life. Uh, the one who is uh, the source of all goodness as we were hearing. And that's actually the problem that's going on in Israel. Uh, yes, there's injustice going on, uh, but that injustice starts in the hearts of God's people, Israel. Uh, it starts with God's people in their hearts saying, actually, we prefer us to God. I prefer my way, uh, whatever will accelerate m- me, uh, rather than what will bring praise to God. And I wonder, I wonder actually if there's hints of that even in our hearts today. I know there is in mine. Silly question, but let's imagine I was to take out a digital camera right now and to take a photo uh, of this room. Uh, Let's pop it up on the screen there. I wonder whose is the first face that you'd look for? You see, we prefer ourselves, don't we, to others. And into this, Jesus comes... And he says, uh, repent, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Uh, Repent, uh, repent, literally rethink, uh, change your thinking. Uh, He says, look, uh, the kingdom is is here, the king is here. Uh, I'm here, I'm this promised one who's going to sort out, uh, not just the kind of big scale injustice, uh, but the injustice of your hearts. I'm going to sort out the darkness, uh, the shadow of deathness. Uh, How does he do it? Well, we know this, don't we? When does he start preaching? He starts preaching when John is put into prison. John, who came preaching a message of repentance, just like Jesus, you can check it out in 3 verse 1 if you want, uh, was put into prison. Literally, he was handed over to prison. And that word handed over is one that Matthew uses again and again, uh, because this Jesus who preaches repentance is handed over to the Jews, the Jewish leaders. Uh, This Jesus is handed over to be beaten. This Jesus is handed over to a cross. 
uh, to be nailed to a cross. Uh, And the crazy thing is that as this Jesus is nailed to a cross, literally in the shadow of death, there he is unjustly treated. He who never treated anybody else unjustly uh, is unjustly treated. He who has no reason to be in the shadow of death spiritually is in the shadow of death physically. He who is not in, the, in, the, in darkness spiritually yet became one who died and we're told in darkness. Why? Because that was my shadow of death that he was in. That was my darkness. My spiritual darkness was given to him. Your spiritual darkness was given to him so that he can fix the very problems of our hearts. A universal message. An amazing message. I think that's the message that will change totally. I think that's the message that's changed my life, that's changed yours, isn't it? And so, super briefly then, uh, what we see is then the universal response to Jesus. In, in verse 18 through to 22, uh, we see the same story told twice. Uh, both times you get two brothers. Uh, first time you get Simon and Andrew. Then you get James and John. Uh, both uh, are fishermen. Uh, they both have a, 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 a boat on a lake. Uh, Jesus a- approaches both and says to both, come and follow me. Uh, and both leave everything immediately and follow him. Now, let's not underestimate this. Simon and Andrew are there on a lake. They've just cast their net into the lake. And along comes this Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Come and follow me. And they leave their net. That net would have been their source of income. It would have been what they literally threw in night after night into the lake to pull out fish in order to sell and make some money. And then once they'd sold them, they would come back and they would fix their net and they would arrange it and they would put it in their boat. And yet they left it. They left their boat as well. That's probably the most expensive thing they would have owned. For, for, for John and for, uh, for James, the brothers, uh, they left their father in the boat. They left their family-run business and, and, and just went and followed Jesus. It was It was shocking. But they realized, here is the king who can deal with my deepest problems. Now, it might not be that Jesus today is calling you to leave your employment or to leave your family and follow him. It probably isn't that he's doing that. But it is that following Jesus, although it costs us nothing to come to him, means that we can't hold anything back from him. I was just last night round at some friend's house. Um, they're about to go to a country uh, that's far away. Um, and, uh, and they were telling me how difficult that was for their parents. Uh, they're going over there to do medicine and to tell people about Jesus. Uh, and their parents found that really difficult. Uh, and they're faced with this issue of, uh, do, do I continue to, uh, to, to stay here because that's what I know my parents would like us to do? Uh, or do I do what I believe God has put on my heart? They were struck by verses like these ones, uh, leaving everything for Jesus. Because the thing, the thing is that, that what I want to do, and I believe perhaps what we want to do, because I, I imagine we're quite similar in this, is we, want, we long to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you so much. Uh, as we see him there on the cross, we say, wow, you have given me what I could never have by myself, a perfect relationship with God. You've endured even the cross for me. 
but is it all right if I just keep part of my life back from you? Jesus, I I, I praise you with everything on Sunday morning, uh, but when it becomes talking about this area of my life that's comfortable, uh, actually, you don't mind if I just kind of keep hold of that, do you? I recognize that in myself, and I recognize it's sick. I um, heard once of a, a, a pig and a chicken, and they were wandering through the, uh, the slums um, in Mumbai. Uh, and as they were looking around, they were struck by the poverty of all around. Uh, and the pig said to the chicken, we've got to do something. There are children who are starving here. And the chicken said, oh, I know what we can do. Let's make them bacon and eggs. <laughs> of course, the pig looks at the chicken and says, that's easy for you. You only have to give an egg. For me, that plan requires complete commitment. I wonder when it comes to serving Jesus, are we chickens or are we pigs? Complete commitment, holding nothing back. Imagine with me again. Imagine uh, that we become a group of people who are saying, do you know what, Lord? Take anything. Uh, Call me to do whatever. If you want me to change, I'll I'll change. If you want that really precious thing that I've been working on, I'll give it. Because I'm sold out for this kingdom. I see you as the king. Uh, Imagine the difference that would make as people begin to notice those guys from all saints. That lady who's always got time to listen to them. That person who hears uh, of the problem and, and takes them food. Uh, that, that work colleague uh, who, who sees uh, people from this church who are excited about what they were learning yesterday at church. The ones who are invited along to stuff because, because we see that this is everything. My friends... That is what repentance looks like. Not focusing on me, but on Christ. And I believe that is what's going to change totally. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father God, thank you so, so much for Jesus. Thank you so, so much that though I have nothing um, that I can offer you, yet Jesus died for me. He took the darkness that I, that we deserve, our death. Help us in response to follow him, whatever the cost. Would we be pigs and not chickens? Amen. Well, our next song picks up actually on that question of Jesus. Will you come and follow me? So if you're able, please do.